Hey everyone, Jim Thompson here. Welcome to the Jesus on Display podcast. Before we begin today's content, I wanted to say thank you so much to everybody for supporting us here at Fellowship Greenville with your gifts and your generosity. Because of your giving, we get to share resources like this podcast with you to help reach you wherever you are in your life with Jesus. If you'd like to support the ministry of Fellowship Greenville, you can head to fellowshipgreenville.org forward slash give to get started. Thanks so much for your support, and we hope you enjoy today's episode. So here we go. Spiritual gifts, frequently asked questions, 10 in 10 minutes. Somebody set a timer, pretty please. We'll give it a shot here. On my mark, get set, go. Question one, does everybody get one? Yes. Verse seven, look at verse seven. To each is given a manifestation of the spirit for the common good. So if verse three, you say Jesus is Lord, that means you're Christian. If you say Jesus is Lord, you get a gift, you get a gift, you get a gift, you all get a gift, Merry Christmas, right? And then he lists a bunch of those gifts in verses eight through 10. Question number two, when do you get the gifts? Honest pastor answer. No clue. You don't get them before you come to faith in Jesus. You get them sometime as you learn to walk with Jesus and grow in your relationship with Jesus. Uh, This illustration helps me. If you make the team in high school and the coach assigns you a position, you still have to work at it, right? You gotta fine tune how you play your part or play your instrument. And you have to do that really well. Like Paul tells Timothy, hey, fan into flame the gift that was given to you. But... Paul also says here in 1 Corinthians to desire and pray for the gifts. So when do you get them? I don't know. Number three, can Christians get more than one spiritual gift? Also, yes. But the goal is not to see who can get the most, kids. That's not it. That's that's not Christmas. It's not a competition. These are gifts. They're grace gifts. The root of the word for spiritual gift is the word grace. The goal, the move is to rightly steward what is given to you, what God has entrusted to you. You need to rightly steward that, like Jesus' parable of the talents. And I think having more than one gift is implied from Paul's language here, but I also can speak from 20 years of ministry experience, and I've seen godly men and women exercise multiple gifts, clearly different gifts in a local church setting, so I'm sticking with yes on can Christians have more than one. Question number four, how do spiritual gifts relate to natural abilities? Maybe you noticed this as we read through. Some of the gifts listed here seem like they could be a little bit closer closer to natural abilities or learned characteristics. Like if you come from a really nice mama and daddy who follow Jesus and you follow Jesus and you're really nice, is that like personality genetics or is that a spiritual gift, right? That's the question. Now, gifts like healing and tongues and miracles, these don't seem like learned traits necessarily. So here's my answer, <clears throat> and this is an important like plot twist one here. If the question is, how do spiritual gifts relate to natural abilities, here's an answer that we need to uh, reckon with. <clears throat> if you care about this stuff, you're gonna care about the quote unquote uh, supernatural gifts here, and we're gonna talk about those in a second. And supernatural isn't the best word, I get that. But here's my point, listen, <clears throat> here's the plot twist. In Paul's brain, All the gifts are quote unquote supernatural. Every single one of them is radical spirit empowerment. Every single spiritual gift is heaven breaking in through your life. Is the kingdom of God come in your day to day? All the way down to encouraging words and acts of service, all the way from meal trains to miracles, all of it. So in a very real sense, the spirit wants to use different members of Jesus's church to make known the life and ministry of Jesus 
to others. And so on one level, it's all miraculous. And sometimes it looks more like natural abilities and sometimes it doesn't. Fair? Number five. And here's where we're gonna get kind of fragile on some of these. Are all the gifts equal? Yes and no. Look at verse seven again. Each gift, each gift is called a manifestation of the spirit. So they're all the same. Scroll down, verse 31, verse 31. Paul says to desire the higher gifts. So apparently there are some that weigh more. So are the gifts equal or not? Well, they are equal in essence, but distinct in function. There's no superiority or inferiority with the gifts, but there is delineation in action. So there's equality in purpose, but distinction in content, if you will. Now, the parallel for me here is it's the same with God as Trinity. Each member of the Trinity is equal in essence, but distinct in function. If you look at verses four through six, the Father and Son didn't die on the cross, but, or excuse me, the Father and Spirit didn't die on the cross, but the Son did. And Father, Son, and Spirit are all equally divine. And that's why, verses four to six, Paul does his little Trinitarian poetic thing there. <clears throat> so are the gifts equal? Yes and no. Question six. Aren't some gifts just basic Christianity and spiritual growth? Again, <clears throat> yes and no. Look at verse eight. Look at what it says. To one is given through the Spirit <clears throat> the utterance of wisdom. Now look up here. Hey, if you're a Christian, let me tell you what you need to do with the rest of your life. You just need to pursue wisdom. Do it. James 1, Matthew 10, just go get you some wisdom, all right? <clears throat> do it. But here, here it's a gift. And you know what else Paul says? He also says that faith and evangelism are gifts. Should we just do those things? <clears throat> well, yes. And also, there are some people who have the gift of wisdom whereby they can see things in your life with a nuanced and fresh perspective and special perspective that you can't see and you need them to speak into your life. And they might come alongside you and pray with you and pray for you. And because of their presence and wisdom, you might grasp things from a completely different perspective and be pushed to trust and pay attention to Jesus more. And guess what that is? When that happens, that's the gift of wisdom. So should all Christians pursue wisdom or do some especially have the gift of wisdom? You bet. And there's a handful of gifts that are like this. <clears throat> Question number seven, and here we go. <clears throat> what about the, the weird ones? What about the interesting <clears throat> gifts, Jim? We're still supposed to do all that stuff? Tongues, <clears throat> healing, miracles, prophecy, depending on how you define it. Does that stuff still happen? Help me out. Now, <clears throat> if you have read any theological anything ever, you will know that this is a very fragile conversation and that there are incredible godly people who have different answers and different responses to this. And here's a short response. There is nothing in scripture that tells us plainly that this stuff has stopped. But for many of us, there is a lot in our experience that tells us plainly that these things have been abused in many church contexts. And here we have to remember that we can't let our experience get in the way of a faithful reading of scripture. And so, as odd as it might be for some of you, we believe this stuff still happens. And we also believe that we should be open to the Holy Spirit working and moving in these ways still. Also, side thing, this is a very American discussion. I've talked to pastors and ministers in Africa and in the Middle East and in China and they don't really wrestle with this question. They experience it, which is a beautiful <clears throat> and separate discussion. And I got places to be because question number eight. 
Here we go. All right, let's talk about it a little more. How do you define the more uh, interesting gifts? I'd love to. Speaking in tongues is speaking in a language initially unknown to the person speaking. No Duolingo in the pocket involved. That's not what we're doing here. There seems to be a more instantaneous, spontaneous, and personal version of this if you keep looking in Corinthians. But I've also known missionaries to completely learn a new language in just a couple months which can also be a version because this is used for mission in Acts 2. Next, miracles are exceptional works of God through people that he chooses to bring about based upon his own sovereign timing and choice. It's God's choice and sovereignty that determine the gifts. That's verse 11 and verse 18. He appoints them as he chooses. And prophecy is not a magic eight ball. It's not telling the future innately. It's telling God's truth to God's people directly. That's what it is. Peter calls all of scripture prophecy. And sometimes it seems as though prophecy is just another word for preaching. Sometimes it's reminding people of what is most real and true. Sometimes it can be a more mysterious calling out to somebody or calling somebody out of sin. And maybe this is why Paul later says that we should all desire to prophesy because in Paul's mind, if you keep reading in his letters, prophecy has a very broad definition. Now, question number nine, and this is just kind of a fun one. Why do people insist on using 1 Corinthians 13 at their weddings when it's clearly about spiritual gifts? That's a great question. Now, 1 Corinthians 13 is a phenomenal poetic passage and definition of uh, of love, and it's defined alongside spiritual gifts. But what Paul wants you to know is that love is the ultimate gift itself, so much so that it should be married to every other gift. And I think that's why the first fruit is, now the fruit of the Spirit is love, right? So in Paul's mind, he's fine with you using that at your wedding. Question number 10, finally, I think I'm gonna make it, kids. Here we go. Are the gifts in 1 Corinthians 12 exhaustive. Is this all the gifts that exist? Answer, no. There are spirit gift lists in Romans 12, Ephesians 4, and mentioned elsewhere in the New Testament. These are the kinds of things that are listed in the New Testament. It's good to think about these and think about how the spirit is wiring uh, God's people for life in the body. And there are dozens of gifts that the spirit births and nurtures within us as Jesus' family. But here's the deal. Because of verse one, I don't want us to be uninformed, brothers and sisters. We can't be uninformed. That's the first thing he says about the gifts. And we don't really talk about spiritual maturity like that. So the first thing he says is don't be uninformed. So we need to think well about it and time. What I got? 1026? Uh, I don't feel like a liar if it's under 10 and a half, so that's, that's, that's good. Here's the reason we did the 10, not for funsies, but because we're not supposed to be uninformed, and that's why you got the frequently asked questions, and I hope that they helped your brain get flowing <clears throat> as to how God's spirit is at work and maybe how he has or might want to empower you uh, to service <clears throat> and to help here at Fellowship Greenville. Now, before I get to our, our big one-liner answer to our question, our big idea, Um, I feel like a couple reminders slash warnings are in order here. And the first is this. This is not another like faddish personality test. Like I do premarital counseling and stuff. I'm pro those tests, Myers-Briggs, DISC, Enneagram, Strength Finders. All that stuff can be really helpful. But please hear me. God's spirit is not an impersonal assessment for the end goal of self-awareness. That's not the deal. He gifts you the way he does so that you and others can be more divinely aware so that you can, verses four to six, look, be caught up into God's own Trinitarian life. And also, I know that there are some of you, there are some of you right now 
and your heads are still spinning. You're like, oh, Jim, you're gonna have to do more about the tongues and the healing and the miracles and all that stuff. And if you still have questions about that, <clears throat> that's great. But I, I can't have you miss the big picture. <clears throat> I can't let you miss the forest. And here's the big picture. The Holy Spirit is at work in this church and in your life if you're a follower of Jesus. He's moving and stirring and active and nudging and empowering and animating and energizing and revitalizing and prompting and equipping you for your good, for others' good, and for the glory of Jesus. And according, get this, according to 1 Corinthians 12, there is a very real way, please get this, in which your gifts are just as important to God's plan and this church as anybody else's gift. Now, even though I get to get up here and run my big dumb mouth about the Bible, and I think that the Lord uses that, and I believe that's a miracle because I know me, right? Here's what I'm saying. Your gifts are just as vital to the life and health of this church family as anyone who ever leads a group, stands on a stage, or serves on staff. That is Paul's point in verses 12 through 26, that the body needs every piece to be the body. If I got legs and feet and arms and hands and torso and eyes and nose and mouth and teeth and neck and chin and cheeks, but I got no ears, that's not a body the way a body is supposed to be. Meaning your presence and gifting is needed here at this church, within these people. You, please feel this, you are not insignificant to what God is doing in the world, in Greenville and in this church. Rather, you are vital. You gotta feel that. And Jason said it a few weeks ago. I need you, you need me, and we need us. And this leads us to our big idea, <clears throat> final answer to our question. Spiritual gifts are uniquely divine capacities given by the Spirit to every Christian for the sake of those around them <clears throat> so that the life of Jesus may be seen and enjoyed more clearly. And we're gonna talk about all the pieces of this because this is way too many prepositional phrases, but let's do the whole thing one more time, the big picture. Spiritual gifts are uniquely divine capacities given by the Spirit to every single Christian for the sake of those around them so that the life of Jesus may be seen and enjoyed more clearly. Now, this broad definition helps us with the understanding part of our question, which is great. And I hope that you can see a lot of this in 1 Corinthians 12. And if you want to keep reading on it later, Paul's biggest section on spiritual gifts is 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. That's one huge literary section on spiritual gifts. <clears throat> now, unlike me, and thank God, one of God's strongest love languages is gift giving. He loves to bless his children with gifts. <clears throat> He's not hesitant about it at all. He loves to do it. Um, and the other thing we need to know is that these, even if it seems more natural, are divine supernatural capacities. That's line two. And so one of the main ways, hey, one of the main ways that you can start to discover, employ, and use your spiritual gift is just to start with gratitude that he's a gift-giving God. I don't think we know how to do gratitude as well as we should. Start with gratitude, and I think that will open our eyes to see things better. And then beyond this, if you're curious about how the Spirit has precisely empowered you, that's the third line given by the Spirit to every Christian, <clears throat> we need to ask questions that might pinpoint how the Spirit has specifically <clears throat> wired each one of us. Think about questions like this. Hey, when people thank me, what do they thank me for? And 
where do I get joy out of relating to other believers? Where is there true joy for me? And are, are people blessed when I sit down and when I listen to them and when I encourage them? And, and, and hey, when I talk about the Bible, are people like, yeah, that makes total sense. Do lights go on for people when I talk about the Bible? Think about this, do people come to you and ask you for godly wisdom or advice? Maybe do you feel a sense of hope when you pray for people for healing? Do you feel an ache for purity in the church and you feel the need to say something about it? And does it seem like normal to you? It's not extravagant to you to give away your time and your resources to help other people out, to help a friend? Does that feel normal and natural to you? We need to ask questions like this to pinpoint specifically how the Spirit has wired us. <clears throat> and listen, you can go take spiritual gifts tests. I don't wanna, I don't wanna like completely ditch those. I, I'm not saying that. But the real test is patience and presence in a godly community over time. And doing so will make spiritual gifts rise to the surface to be used in love. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And why do you need to discover them and use them? Why? For the common good. Verse seven, look, for the common good. Every spiritual gift is supposed to be a re-gift kind of deal. It's supposed to be given to you and then given to someone else. That's how they're supposed to work for other people. The gifts are not meant to be unused glassware shut up in a cabinet. They are meant to be given, gifted, and re-gifted and given to others. And that's how it's supposed to be, Right? so that the life of Jesus may be seen and enjoyed more clearly. <clears throat> this is the purpose of all the gifts. And here's how I know it. Look at verse 27. Look down at verse 27 in your Bibles. <clears throat> now you are the body of Christ. I want you to feel that. Feel how nervous it should make you. Hey, you are the body of Jesus in the world. Which means... Doing the spiritual gifts rightly is about participating in and sharing in Christ's own life. That should terrify you and overjoy you. And in the weirdest and least heretical way possible, we are supposed to be Christ in and for and to the world. And that's supposed to feel a little daunting and scandalous. You are the body of Christ. Jesus on Display podcast is produced right here at Fellowship Greenville in Greenville, South Carolina. Thanks so much again for listening to today's episode. Follow and share this podcast with anybody who might be interested or curious about our church community or how storytelling unites us and helps us feel more connected. To actively keep up with what's going on at our church, head to our website at fellowshipgreenville.org. Follow us on all social media platforms and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thank you again so much for tuning in. Grace and peace for your week. We'll see you next time.